0: What do you know about fear? Well, I'll say one thing that I know is that A, we all have it. But B, some people manage it better than others. So I want to know, I'm just going to start this off by asking. Uh, it's not if you have fear, because I know the answer is yes, we all got it, right? But is fear deciding your future? That's the thing that I think differentiates some of us from others. Are you living your life through that lens? Or... Are you managing it appropriately? Because fear is a good thing, right? It, it, it's, it's, there's a primal part that's very, very effective. That's what this episode is about. And specifically today, we're looking at, looking at fear through uh, a woman that I think is incredible. And I'm very excited to introduce you to her. If you don't already know her, she's an Australian. Her name is Tabitha Coffey. Tabitha made her name as a hairstylist, of all things, specifically on a television show called Sheer Genius, which catapulted her into her own fame where she's been on a couple of other shows, Um, one most recently on Bravo, Uh, what was the name of that one, Uh, Tabitha Takes Over, and another one uh, most recently called Relative Success with Tabitha. In short, she is just a force of nature, an entrepreneurial spirit, and just a straight shooter. She's also, I'd say she's not afraid to ruffle a few feathers in order to speak the truth. Uh, And she's built an amazing business empire on on her own, you know, television shows that I mentioned, best-selling books. But she, more than any of her sort of public outward fame, has the unique ability, I believe, to help others in their quest for success. She's just got this great no... BS approach um, to savvy business wisdom. And you are going to get a healthy dose of this today. Not long ago, I took Tabitha's class. Uh, she taught, taught a class, and I wanted to share my favorite three nuggets, three lessons, if you will, that I learned from that. Um, a couple of just to share a few bullets of what we get into. Um, obviously fear to me is the thing that that I wanted this podcast to be based on. I've done others on uh, on fear and it was very, very popular. Tabitha just did an extremely effective and efficient job of cutting through the BS. Uh, So this one, you know, key takeaway, what if we are stuck with fear? The answer is we're not going to move forward. So the stories we tell ourselves in short are what um, decides whether we're willing to go forward or not. Uh, so the thing that I think Tabit does very, very uniquely is help us identify and recognize, ah, this is one of those stories that I'm telling myself. Let's see, she also talks about how, how fear is, it shows up as lots of different things. Sometimes it's stress, sometimes it's anxiety, sometimes it's worry, sometimes it's anger. But it can also, any of these things, we can turn those negative connotations in, uh, of it into a barometer for action. You know, maybe fear is telling us to slow down and look around, or maybe it's telling us to speed up so we don't miss a particular opportunity. Uh, What what Tabitha does so well is help us understand what fear is telling us and then make a decision on what it is that we need to do. You know, also fear can be... (laughs) A self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, I'm a huge advocate of mindset. You know this about me. I've had, you know, you've you've heard me in your ears uh, a lot about that. So we need to do a better job of training how we talk to ourselves, and that starts out with love and self-care. Uh, and Tabitha, you know, pulled this really really lovely segment uh, where she talks about insights into how to flip the script and build resiliency. Toward fear and negative messages that we tell ourselves. All right, just a reminder you are listening to the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. You know, the shows where I talk to awesome humans and I unpack their brains and do everything I can to export their brains into yours. I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback on this episode of the show. Uh, and actually, speaking of Creative Live, they're the sponsor. We're going to get a message for them in just a second. But Tabitha does have an amazing class. On Creative Live, called How to Be Bold, Resilient, and Better Than Ever. Uh, 18,000 students have taken this class. I am one of them, uh, and with 100% perfect recommendations. So you want to check out this class if her message resonates with you. Uh, now, just a quick word from our sponsor, Creative Live. This episode of Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education. And right now you're saying, wait a minute, isn't that the company that you started? Yes, it is. It is my company, but they make this show Possible and if you don't know anything about Creative Live, you must check it out. It's where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best teach photo, video, art design, music and audio, craft and maker, and the ability to make a living and a life in all of those disciplines. There is free content there, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there's also more than 10,000 hours of content for you to access on demand. You guys know I'm a huge believer in the power of daily habits, and today Creative Live is a part of the sponsor announcement wants you to know that they have a new, very powerful way to make education a part of your daily routine. That would be the Creative Live iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV apps. They're all free and they let you watch all of the Creative Life classes that are on air streaming for free, anything you already own, and on the iPhone and iPad apps, you can watch one daily lesson of your choosing for free. That is one of 25,000 lessons for free, which is super <laughs> super gnarly. To get those apps, go to the App Store, uh, iTunes and search Creative Live or go to creativelive.com/apps. There you go. Now, let's get into the show.
1: Fear is paralyzing. Fear is one of those emotions that keep you paralyzed and stuck, right? You're stuck. You It's a hard one to move through. It feels like you can't move through it. So you need to take action to be able to move through it. And you really can't let your fear decide what your future's going to be because it will never give you what you want. Caesar, why don't you tell me what's holding you back?
2: What's holding me back? I think fear of being accepted. Is holding me back. I've always kind of forged my own route, my own path through life, and that when you do that, you're not always the one with the largest group of friends, or um, just even coworkers that are, you know, rooting for you. So that's something a balance that I've been looking for, as how to continue to forge my own path, but to also still be accepted and have that respect by my peers.
1: Okay, I think we all, I mean, we heard who's and ours, right? We're all scared of that. I think one of the number one basic human requirements is that we all want to feel needed. We do, we all want want to feel needed. And we all want to feel valued, like we're of value. And often other people give us our value. So, Cesar, you said that you have done it alone a lot, right? You've done it, you forged your own path, you've done it yourself. So may I ask you a question? Why do you feel that you need other people's validation so much?
2: I just don't wanna continue to do that and just not have someone along with me on that journey.
1: Okay, that totally makes sense. And thank you for for telling us that. So that goes back to wanting to feel value, right? When there's someone there, they can help with the burden, help you feel good about yourself, cushion the blow a little bit, right? Be a safe space and a safe space sometimes to fall if you fall because they're there to catch you, right? That's really what we want from other people and what that need is. But who's the first person that needs to be all of those things? Yourself. So to forge your own way is great. I forged my own way. I could pretty much guarantee a lot of people in this (coughs) room forge their own way as well. I forged my own way and there wasn't a lot of help. but it's also knowing to rely on yourself and to take that fear away. Because I want you to look at fear in a couple of ways, because it's a couple of things to me. Fear, obviously we know this, shows up as danger, right? That's what our brain says, it's danger. That's, you know, millions of years ago, when mammoths were walking around, but our bodies are wired that way. That's just how we're wired. So danger is that scary thing, right? That kind of stops us. I look at fear as an indicator. Fear is a barometer to me. I feel it. I was scared when I walked out here, I told you that. I think we globalize fear of sometimes it's just a little bit of nerves, a little bit of worry, a little bit of stress, right? And that can be from, I'm a little stressed because I have to pay my rent this month and I don't know if I can make my rent, right? I'm a little stressed because I have a project due at work and I'm a little behind, so I'm a little stressed, yeah? But we turn it into this huge fear, frightening thing and we become paralysis. The unknown fear of what we're talking about, because we don't know what it is, it's incredibly scary. And it stops us from doing things. But I do look at it as a barometer because sometimes fear goes, you know what, slow down. You just are going too fast. The track, you know, the train is gonna come off the track if you keep going this fast. You're not even looking around you, you're making silly mistakes, slow the hell down. Sometimes fear is speed up. If you don't stop procrastinating and make this decision and do it really quickly, you're not going to be able to turn that project in in time. Get that lease that you want for that perfect location to start your business. Make that jump to open the business. So fear to me is a lot of, it's a lot of different things And sometimes it's not really the fear. It's the barometer of what else I need to look at going around me to keep me moving forward, to make it less scary, to actually take action. Does that make sense? Um, Fear is also, again, that made up story. And you have to remember that you've made this story up. And the more you tell yourself that story, then that's your story. That's what's going to keep looping through. And everything will come back into that fear. You know, when you give yourself permission to fail, you give yourself permission to succeed. You have to give yourself permission to fail. It's okay to fail. It's not a bad thing. The world's not going to end. People aren't going to think badly of you. And you know what? If they do, they're not the right people for you. They're not the people that you want around you. Some people would think that the story I shared with you about my staff walking out was a failure. I felt like it was a failure. I thought it was an epic fail. Until I really looked at it and realized how incredibly valuable it was. It had so much value in there because of what it taught me. It has made me a different leader. It's made me be present and show up. And if I can't show up, then I tell you, I can't commit to this. This isn't gonna work. It showed me a different set of boundaries to put up for myself and my business and anything I did moving forward. So look at what is holding you back. And I would ask you, what has fear cost you? Whether monetarily, because some business owners out there, fear has actually cost you money because you haven't moved forward in your business because you're too scared to. You're too scared to take that step, so it could be costing you revenue. Maybe you're not updating your business because you're scared, right, or buying the equipment you need or doing whatever, or hiring the staff that you need because you're just too scared. You're too scared you're going to fail. You're too scared you're not gonna recoup the money. You're too scared you're not gonna find the right person. Whatever the fear is. Maybe the cost of the fear is that you just aren't taking momentum. You're just stuck because you're scared and you're not moving forward. So ask yourself, what has fear cost you? Sometimes it's a really, really big price. What has it prevented you from doing? What has fear made you go, I'm not going to do that? You know what? I can't do that because I'm too scared. I'm talking in everyday life, in moving forward in your business. I deal with fear like all of you. I get scared. But the thing that I do do differently to many people is I just don't give into it. I just don't give in to it. I know it. I feel it. I can feel it in my body. I know what it feels like. It sucks. Right? I feel the paralysis. I play what if. What if? What is the worst case? What would happen if? What would happen if I did this class and it sucked? Right? I play that game. What would happen if I did this class and it sucked? I would have wasted all of you guys, your time, all the people watching live at home, I would have wasted their time. I would have wasted some time at this great company of all the people that put all their hard work and the crew and the producers and everyone else that put their hard work into this class, right? But I'd still be breathing, I'd still be living. I'd move on, and I'd try it again. And the biggest thing I'd do is learn why it failed and what I could do differently so I could try it again. Does that make sense? So, I do deal with fear in the same way. I do feel it the same way. The thing that I do is look at it. I personally, this is my personal feeling, when I stare it down, and I really look at it, it loses its power. When I just stare right down the barrel of what the fear is, for me, it just helps to dissipate the power because I've just owned it. I've just stood into it. I've thought about what the worst thing could be. And again, as long as I'm not hurting myself physically, anyone else, then I'm okay with that. I'm okay with moving on with it. If you get into fear and let yourself be stuck with it, you will not move forward. I've seen it. I'm sure you guys have seen it, that friends are just too scared. Then it starts coming up in other ways. Fears manifest itself in other ways. Sometimes it's anger. Hello, Miss Angry Girl. It was fear, right? I've told you how angry I would be. Fear comes up as denial. Fear shows up as lying because you can't be honest about your fear so you start to lie because how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? You become a victim. So it's much easier to point. Everyone else does it. I can't do it. It's everyone else's fault. No one will give me a chance. No one's listening to me, right? It's much easier to point your finger that way. At everyone else and become a victim than to face that fear and move through it, yeah? So fear doesn't just show up in, oh, I'm scared, shows up in, as anxiety, shows up as feeling sick. It's a physiological change in our body and our emotions. Here's the thing that I want you to remember is fear is an emotion like every other emotion. It's an emotion like joy, happiness, love. They're all emotions. Fear is an emotion. When you think of it that way, as a barometer of what else it's trying to tell me, right? And it's just an emotion. You are always free to make a different choice of how you want to feel. I can decide to stay angry and stand here in my anger and just be angry all the time. Or I can say, no, I'm done with that. I choose to feel lighter and happier. It's a choice. And that's what fear is. So when you're giving into it and it's holding you hostage, then fear's just one. If you're playing the blame game and not taking any responsibility for yourself, playing the victim, pointing the finger, denying, lying, all to avoid fear, it's just going to keep showing up because it hasn't been addressed. I know it's fun, isn't it? (laughs) And sometimes fear isn't as powerful when you face it as what it is when you think of it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the scariest thing, I'm just going to tell you the scariest thing that happened to me. Is that OK, if I share a story? So the scariest thing, um, I've had a few scary things happen. But the scariest thing that happened to me was uh, I'd just finished filming. And I wasn't, I was tired. I wasn't in a great place. I was in LA, I was working and I got a phone call. And the phone call um, was from my partner, it was January. Um, I can tell you exactly what I was wearing and what I was doing. I had just filmed a segment with Joan Rivers and got this phone call on a Sunday morning from a friend that happens to be a physician And said to me you need to get on the next plane and come home and proceeded to tell me that my partner was in hospital um, with a brain tumor and was going in for brain surgery and I tried to I wanted to talk to her and she couldn't speak she'd lost the ability to speak so I had her on the phone she could get out a couple of words Um, and most of it was come home. And it happened to be bloody blizzard on the East Coast, which is always the way it goes, and I couldn't get a flight. And I was stuck in L.A. not knowing what was happening, not knowing what it meant, knowing that it sounded bad, that brain surgery sounded just monumental. And, um... I had someone call me who was a family member to tell me that she probably wouldn't make it anyway. She probably wouldn't make me even getting the flight. And I probably wouldn't, was slim pickings that I'd even be able to get back from LA in time. And I was petrified. It's really one of the scariest things ever. I was just petrified and I got on a flight And I flew back from LA, got to New York, straight to the hospital with my bags, had no idea what I was walking into, no idea what I was gonna do and no idea how to fix it. And let's face it, I'm Tabitha and I take over. (laughs) I needed to fix it, right? I, I just needed to fix it. That fear is a real fear. I couldn't change the outcome of, anything, right? What I realized with that fear is I couldn't give in to it because I wasn't going to let that fear win and feel paralyzed to not show up and be present and be a hundred percent there and do everything that I needed to do to make sure that I could take care of her and have the best outcome that we could possibly have right so I know you want the end of the story, so do I. It's four years later and I'm tapping wood. um, And it's been rough and it's been scary. But the thing that, again, I told you I would teach this class from my experience and what I know. That was an extreme fear. I hope no one ever has to go through that fear, but I know many of you will in some way or another, right, because that's life and life's like that. That fear, whether it's a monumental fear like I'm telling you about, or a small fear, the feeling's the same. Your body reacts to it in the same way. It does. The knot in the stomach, the pounding of the head, your chest, right, you tense up, everything physiologically feels the same and it makes you stuck. And if you give into fear, you will never live up to your full potential. You will never have the life or the business or the success of your dreams. And fear is really the worst part of it, is what we make in our heads and we stop ourselves from moving forward. Narratives are a really big thing and narratives come from everywhere. Our mind actually believes what we tell it. It's the way it works. That's just how your brain works. It's like a movie and it plays through. So what we tell it, when we tell it I'm never going to be able to do that, I'm never going to get where I want, this is never going to work out for me, I'm never going to have the relationship I want, I'm never going to lose the weight I want, I'm never going to have the business I want, I'm never, I'm never, I'm never. That's what your brain believes because that's the loop that plays in its head. Yes? The narrative that we tell ourselves It's sometimes our own narrative that we've made up for ourselves and sometimes the narrative that other people have told us. It's the stories that we've taken from other people. It's what they have told us about us, about how our life should be, right? About who we should be, what we should do, how we should behave. It's someone else's narrative, but we've taken it on. And that narrative when you're talking about it looping through in your head and having that narrative playing all the time is crippling. Because you put that in with fear, right? You're already a little scared. You're scared that no one's going to want the product that you're selling. In my head, I'm hearing and I believe the movie that's playing in my head all the time. So I believe no one's going to what would you want? Why would they want what you make? What? Why would they want your stuff? Why would they come to your business? Why would they listen to you? Who are you? You put those two together. You've just created your own little movie that you've produced, written, directed and starred in and it's on a loop 24-7, right? That's what's in there. That's what's stuck. And that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, you know, every thought, think about this. You've, when you become mindful of it, you can feel it. Every thought has a reaction in your body, right? You feel it when you when you are fearful, you tighten up. Right, you can feel yourself tighten up your heart, starts beating. When you're happy, you feel lighter, right? It, just, it feels lighter, joy, love. You can feel all those emotions in your body and your story does that because think about the loop you're telling yourself. If it's constant fear, I'm never gonna have, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'll never get this, It's never going to happen for me. I fail anyway. Why would this time be different? And that is constantly playing all those emotions that we feel when we feel different emotions, right? The good ones are kind of light and juicy and butterfly. The bad ones are crap. They feel heavy and, like, make your stomach go all weird and give you headaches and... All of those things, that's what you feel all the time because this narrative. The narrative that I have heard was you'll never amount to anything, you'll always be fat, you've got no education, you're not smart enough, you're a bitch, why would anyone want to listen to you? So here I am. You have to change the narrative. Otherwise, you will not be able to move through and break through. Just like that fear where you don't know where the end of the journey is with fear. The narrative doesn't mean anything. Sometimes it's as simple as what we were told as a kid. You're so bad. Right. You're a kid. You did something that was a little naughty as a kid. <laughs> you got in trouble. You're so bad. You always do this. Why are you always like that? You're so selfish. You're never going to be anything. We take another person's narrative of us. An opinion. And we put it in our beautiful, crazy brain and we play that. And we play it over and over and over until it actually becomes our own. And the longer you sit with it and the longer you play it and the longer you listen to it, it literally becomes your own. There's a there's a line from a song and I can't remember who sings it, but the only dance you've ever known is the one that you've always, the one that you've done the longest. It's the same with the narrative we tell ourselves. If we've been telling ourselves this terrible narrative of we're not good enough, no one's gonna want it, no one's gonna listen to me, I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm unlovable, then that is what it's going to be and how it's going to keep continuing. I want you to listen and I want you to do an exercise. Every time you tell yourself, I don't care what it is, I dropped my Fitbit earlier, right? You drop your car keys, oh, I'm such an idiot, such a moron, so stupid. I want you to actually listen how many times you say that to yourself. It seems so simple. If you drop something or you forget your keys or you don't do an errand, oh, I'm such a moron, such a fool, such an idiot, so stupid, right? Just seems natural to do it to yourself. I want you to catch yourself how many times you're actually doing it, along with the other loop of what you're playing of, I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm never going to succeed. No one's ever going to want my services. No one's ever gonna love me, I'm never gonna lose weight. Whatever it is you're playing, count how many times you're doing that in a day. Be aware of it, be mindful of it. I'm never gonna be able to grow my business. I'm never gonna be able to change my business. I'm never gonna be able to get a new career. See how many times it shows up for you. You'll be astounded when you're mindful of it. And then I want you to ask yourself, if you were your own best friend, would you speak to yourself that way? The stupid, I'm an idiot, I'm never gonna have it, I'm never gonna do it. Would you say that to a best friend? Do you speak to another human being the way you speak to yourself sometimes? The narrative that you're playing, is that how you speak to other people? Or is it just reserved for you? Got very quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> Heidi and Tara, why don't you come and talk to me? Everyone's sick of my voice. Okay, so you, uh, you gave us a little bit of homework to start counting how many times we tell ourselves
2: things. Mm-hmm. What about when you te- you're thinking those things about other
1: people? How, how do you, what causes that and how do you stop that? That's a great question. So sometimes it's ego, sometimes it's denial. Right? What are you trying to tell yourself? Are you scared? Are you telling yourself that someone's no good because you're too scared to commit to them? So it's much better to go, they're no good. They're no good for me. Got right? It. Yeah. So that you can keep yourself safe, right? In your critter brain, denial. keep yourself safe and be in denial. So it's much easier to transfer and say, they're no good. That person's no good for me. It's never gonna work out. And it keeps you safe, right? Often the things that we see in other people that we dislike the most are the things that we dislike the most in ourselves. It's a mirror. So it could be a denial factor for you. It could be a safety factor of you having this narrative about other people. And you know what, sometimes it's true. If you had someone that was really abusive to you, if you had a terrible situation with a person, then it could be true, they could be a terrible person. But them taking up rent in your head is not going to help you move on and get your life into a better place. So you're the best best version of yourself. So why let them stay there rent free? Why are you holding on to them? You need to learn to let go, right? And and work with the outcome and the disappointment. Does that make sense? Does that help? Absolutely. Thank you. Hello, ladies. Oh, good day. I got a good day. I love that. Are you Australian? Yes, I am. Oh, g'day! It like a real g'day. How yeah, fantastic is that? A real one. <laughs> I love that. That just shocked me. I thought it would make you feel at home. Oh, you have some Vegemite on there because that would <laughs> so be real. i this morning. Oh, yeah, well, not very good sharing, <laughs> we are we? I know. So with what we've been talking about, do you have narratives? What's the story that has been holding you back? Do you have a story that's holding you back? Do you have a fear that... Is holding you back?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me when you said the analysis paralysis that really rang true because I feel like undereducated, inexperienced, my resume is not fantastic, any success I've had my whole entire life has been by chance. Like it's been a freak accident that you know we have a successful business. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or, like, I met the right people at the right time, you know? So it hasn't been of anything that I've uh, proactively done in my life because I don't consider myself a go-getter. I'm terrible at follow-through. I'm a visionary. Wow. I know. I'm really self-deprecating here. Um,
1: See what I live with, this, I is really so, this is really... <laughs> so with. This is with, with your fear, right, yeah. you also clearly... Have this narrative mm-hmm. that's playing of all the things you aren't, because you just gave me a laundry list. You didn't tell me one positive attribute, except you had a successful business. Right.
4: Well. I yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, that's very much our story, I think. Yeah. Um, but I could sit here and tell you all these amazing things about her. Um, we're partners, by the way, <laughs> in life and in business. Um, but yeah, I and I think we are. we we clash in that way because I, I, yeah, I can see all of these great things and things that she can do and should be doing,
1: yeah. But... (laughs) That was really interesting, though, because, I mean, to hear Heidi, you you really gave a laundry list of Mm. not educated, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Showed up at the right place at the right time, I guess. I don't know (laughs) how I have a successful business. (laughs) Right? But... The successful business is what jumped out but if that's the narrative you're telling yourself over and over again then that's what creates the fear right. and the fear creates the narrative right and something's going to have to shift so that one can be broken free and not be a caged beast anymore because when you have both of them and they sit on top of each other right they just chase each other around all day and then chase each other around. They feed off each other. The fear is then feeding off the narrative and then the narrative is making you more and more fearful so you're stuck and you're not going to move forward. See how that works? It's just, that's how it goes, right? (laughs) So what's going to have to change to change that narrative of fear?
3: I'm going to have to look at... My success in a different way, I think, and really recognize the parts of who I am that got me to where I am that aren't.
1: Why do you have a hard time chance? owning your success? What is the oh, problem God. with you owning your success? Because
3: my story is that I, you know, I came from a working class house, and I'm uneducated, and all these things. So my story in my head is that I'll always just be, it'll be like a mediocre. Like whatever mm-hmm. happens to me, I'm kind of along for the ride.
1: Sound familiar? Yeah. Right? So that narrative comes from, because you said it, so it Mm -hmm. comes from your childhood and how you grew up. Mm -hmm. And I'd probably throw in there maybe things that people had said to you, Mm -hmm. right? Because we all have that. So it's what people have said to you. Mm -hmm. So everything I do is kind of mediocre. Sounds like you don't think you deserve success.
3: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like she does. Like (laughs) it's almost like I created. I, I innovated a business that became successful, and I kind of handed it to her, and now I'm just floundering, like, waiting to do something else, or, you know, but all those things are stopping me.
4: And it doesn't help that I'm a control freak, and <laughs> so I'm just like, fine, I'll take it on then, it's my, it's my job now, you know, and I'm a people pleaser, and I'm fiercely, like, loyal to, you know, our vision, so I'm going to carry it. Because we created it together and,
1: yeah, we... So, <laughs> wow, isn't this good? It's yeah. like couples therapy. <laughs> <You got> it. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because here's the thing that is really interesting is because you clearly have a successful business. Yes. Am I correct? Yep, Absolutely. Like, you're both sitting here going, we've got, succe- we've got a successful business. Yeah. So congratulations, because just to say that, is a hard thing, yes, Yes. right? So just uh, every business owner out there knows, just to say, I have a successful business, full stop, end of story, pat on the back, should be proud of yourself because that alone is hard. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. It's
4: one of the easiest things we can recognise, I think, which is odd.
1: (laughs) And it should be the thing that you recognise most because... Do you want to grow your business, or you sound like you're? Can I? Yeah. yeah.
4: So my one of my fears is that she is um, kind of like, well, we did that. Now it's time for me to move on and create something else. Um, and I'm sitting here with all of these ideas of how to propel and you know sort of up level us to the you know a, a sort of new and bigger yeah, and better next thing. Level. And I feel like she's like, oh, I'm not sure I want to do that because I feel like this is what we created and this is good. And she's sort of ready to hightail it. Um, <laughs> so, which is, you know, if that not in, you know, in the business, but um, which is fine because again, I like, I'm, I'm a workaholic. I can do this, you know, I, I take it on. Um, but part of the joy in the business for me is doing it together, and it always has been. So without her as my sidekick. It's different, and it's different for our clients. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, if it was your dream, was it your, your like, dream or your, yeah. your yeah, invention the kind of the, of the business? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do we get you to recognise your success mm-hmm. and own it mm-hmm. and feel it'll take a minute? Yeah. Right? It's going to take, it's going to take a minute, and I want you all to recognise this. It takes a minute to own your truth, the good and the bad, right? It doesn't happen like this. It's something that has to be worked on. But when you can't even say, yeah, I've got a successful business, and feel good with that, Mm. to look at what the next step would be, you're looking for the happy and you're looking for the pot of gold of not in monetary, but Mm. feeling, those good feelings about yourself and about what you've done, Mm -hmm. but don't you think if you started again in another business that it would just be the same? It would probably be successful by chance (laughs) because you have no talent and then all of a sudden it would be a success and you would give me the laundry list again and go, but I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that? maybe,
3: could that kind of be true? possible for sure. That is likely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you ever follow things all the way through?
3: Um, not, not often, no. I get antsy. I don't know what it is. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I fear sitting with something and experiencing the, the whole entirety and taking in the approbation, the success, the attention. The joy. The joy. And, um, yeah, so maybe
1: I... I yeah, so... That, and you just said that. fear. Yes. So, I want... We all have that narrative, right? We've either picked up our family's narrative of whatever we were told as kids or what our level was that this is our level. We're lower class. We're middle class. <clears throat> we're high class, whatever it is. And that's, it. that's what we are. Like the story has been written and it can't move anywhere. That becomes our movie. We pick that part of ourselves up, right? And we take that from what we were given and then we put our own bits into it and we make it true and it can change we know that you have a success but until you learn how to stop that loop because the success is so subtle in there it should be the celebration and it's really just another word on a reel you can't even let yourself just listen to the success Mm -hmm. in the fact that you two have built this great business and it's successful Mm -hmm. and it nothing happens by chance I just don't believe it. I believe that there are circumstances, there's, you know, serendipity sometimes, there's whatever you want to call it, um, but it doesn't just fall in your lap and become an overnight success. It takes work, it takes dedication, it takes heart, mm-hmm. it takes sacrifice, yes. right? <laughs> it takes sweat, it takes energy it takes a lot of things out of you so for you to say it just happened by chance that i do not believe for a second mm-hmm. and i think if you sit and really think about it neither do you mm-hmm. you may not think you deserve it because that's your narrative we all have that right i don't care what it is i don't deserve my business i don't deserve my husband i don't deserve to be skinny i don't deserve money How many times do you hear a lottery winner, right, win really big in the lottery and then two years later, they're totally broke and they've lost everything because they didn't feel like they deserved it. Happens all the time. And if the narrative is that, then unfortunately, it does become not just um, something that you make into being and your reality, It also means that you can't be really fulfilled and be the best version of yourself and overcome the fear until you press the stop button on the movie that you're playing, right? Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. So we all do this, right? In a different version, we all do it. I really want you to be mindful. Think about. As I said, all the times you call yourself the names. Think about the narrative, right? There were no names in the narrative we just heard, but there was no pat on the back, positivity, praise, or actually look what I did. There was no ownership of it. We do that to ourselves. We tell ourselves that, and then you know what happens? It makes it harder to get through the fear. It makes it harder to be resilient. It makes it harder to have self-esteem because you're tearing it down, right? And you're sabotaging yourself. And it doesn't change the pattern. So sometimes you think, well, if I just do something different, it will make it different. It doesn't, it's just the same habit that is going to keep repeating and keep replaying and keep looping because that's the movie that you have built for yourself.
3: Thank you, yeah. hi Tabitha, my hi name ya. is Tracy Renee. Hey, Tracy. I'm just wondering, in talking about fear of success, do you think that there's a difference between fear of achieving success, like being afraid of the hard work, and um, there also seems like there's a fear of maintaining success, like maybe, stopping yourself before you start, because you're saying, after I do all this hard work, how am I going to continue to be successful?
1: Great question. I absolutely think that some people just don't want to put the work in, right? I don't want to say lazy, because I think that's a horrible word. And I think that sometimes there's more to it than someone just um, not what we think of as lazy, not having the energy to be able to do it. But I think some people don't want to put that work in. Remember when I said you have to, be willing to sacrifice for it. For your passion you have to be willing to sacrifice, right? The only reason is because it's going to take some hard work, it's going to take some tears, it's going to take a lot of sweat, it's going to take a lot of heart and a lot of love. Some people just don't want to put that in, especially if we're talking about a business. Some people don't want to put it into themselves and that's okay, that's their choice. But For me, it means for a very flat life and you're not living up to your potential of what it could be and the possibilities that are there for you because you're not grabbing them. And I think the other part of success is being afraid of it. And you, my friend, were a perfect example, as were you. I'm sorry, I don't call you out in that way, but it's so great to hear those examples because Here you have a successful business, but you can't take the ownership of the success and the hard work and the blood and the sweat and the tears and the money and the emotion and the ideas and the creativity and all the stuff that goes into building a successful business, right? And then here you are that had a successful business. Things went pear-shaped because that happens in life. It goes pear-shaped, right? And... Now how you're dealing with the outcome of that is you're scared to go back to success because success for you registers as I'm going to go back to those ways of that other person and I don't want to do that. So you'll just keep yourself here instead of realizing that you're going to be successful as your new version. So yes, there are two ways that we block our success and it happens all the time. The other thing is that when you're successful, you have to show up. It takes you to another level. It takes you to another level of um, responsibility and dependability and follow-through and hard work. And some people, that is frightening. Some people don't have the energy to do it or the follow-through or the wherewithal. Or some people just have that narrative of, I can't do it or I don't deserve it. So it just stays where it is right which is flaccid and maybe now that i've brought awareness to it you're going to start to realize that narrative and what it says and what other people are saying to you not take on what other people want to throw at you remember it comes from different places it comes from their fear it comes from their ego their insecurity right and it's easy their denial it's easy to sometimes put it on someone it doesn't mean you have to pick it up right? You can leave it right there and lighten the load. You don't need to pick it up. And the narrative that you have, learning how to press that stop button is really difficult. So I want to give you some tools to work on that, which is really just flipping the story and reframing. Um, Think about every time you play it, how you feel, because our reality in um, words are really so just incredibly powerful in what we feel in our body and it contributes to the stress we have all the time. It contributes to not feeling so great. It contributes to having crappy self-esteem and feeling like you aren't good enough and all the stories that you're playing. So we all do this. It's terrifying, (laughs) right? Oh, my God, it's terrifying. It's not terrifying. Let's face it. It's a little exaggeration. Sometimes what we're talking about being terrifying is having to drive down the freeway in rush hour traffic to get to the other side of town. Is not terrifying, right? Going over and saying to someone, hi, I think you're really cute. Would you like a drink? It's not terrifying. It's a little nerve wracking, but it's not terrifying. So change it, it's a challenge. The words you use matter. It's a nightmare. No, that's not what a nightmare would typically be, (laughs) what we're using it for, right? It's an opportunity. How about doing that? How about flipping it and saying, that's an opportunity. That nightmare is an opportunity for me to change it into something that I want or need, or could bring value to my life, or could be a service to myself. I'm dying. How many times do you say that? Really? I used to say that all the time. Oh, my God, I'm dying. I'm di- I'm so busy. I'm dying. I'm so tired. I'm dying. It's funny because we do it all the time, but we're not dying. But when you're constantly saying it and it's so flippant and when you notice how often you're saying it to yourself, you're not dying. It's a challenge. And it's going to be difficult to overcome, but you're strong and you can. And my absolute favorite, my life is over. (laughs) I just can't anymore, my life is over. One of my favorites. Then you're just being a drama queen, right? Then you're really just like trying to get attention. You're being a drama queen and you're over exaggerating. Your life isn't over even if it feels like it is, to have that toolbox of resilience, right? And getting through difficult situations, managing your outcomes, you can look at that even when it feels like it's over, you know inside, because you've already done the work of who you are, that you're not gonna give up, that it's not gonna keep you stuck, that it's not gonna keep you glued, that it's not gonna keep you knocked down, You're going to get up and do it again and work through it, right? So the words that we use with ourselves are just as important as the way we speak to other people. Our communication and the way we speak to other people is incredibly important. We're taught to really only share our thoughts, right? We're not not taught as humans to talk about our emotions. And a lot of people, typically men, will feel like it's a bad thing to talk about their emotions because it's a bit touchy-feely and mamby-pamby. And, you know, I did it for a long time. I didn't talk about my emotions at all. So the perception was that I was just a cold-hearted bitch, and not a good bitch, just a cold-hearted ice queen that nothing penetrated, nothing got through to, because I'd never talked about my feelings. The story I shared with you, earlier it's the first time I've said it in public about my partner. Never shared that story with anyone. My, like, tribe, no, no one else knows. But I asked you to be vulnerable, so I will. The emotion that, you know, we often don't talk about is the stuff that does keep us stuck. We don't talk about how we feel or how we want to feel. Right? I want to feel happy. I want to feel light. I don't want to feel bogged down by the people that walked out of my business. I don't want to be stuck in this situation and feel like I'm helpless and hopeless. I don't want to feel helpless and hopeless. And we get so conditioned um, to not talk about our feelings, to only talk about our thoughts. And honestly, our... <laughs> Our thoughts are just a direct reflection of our feelings and our emotions. That's all they are. So it's OK to talk about them. It's OK to say to a partner, a friend, a coworker, you know, a subordinate, if you're their boss, this is when you do this, this is how it makes me feel. It makes me feel that you don't care about my business. When you say things like that, it makes me feel that you don't care about our clients. When you say that to me, it makes me feel like you don't care about me, you're disregarding me, you're putting me down, you're disrespecting me. It's okay to say that. It's not rude. It's called a boundary. And when it's done in a calm way, right, you're... Telling someone what is acceptable to you, what you will stand for. I am sorry, I won't accept it when you speak that way, so I am going to remove myself. I'm only in control of me. I can't ask you to not speak that way, but I can certainly control myself and whether I want to be around it or not. And. It's also understanding sometimes where someone is coming from. You know, I I talk a lot about empathy and I have a lot of it. And sometimes for anyone that does, it can be a debilitating thing sometimes. But empathy isn't sympathy. It's not feeling sorry for someone. For me, empathy is actually a powerful trait because you're understanding how someone feels in their shoes. You don't have to agree with them. Right. You don't have to want to change them. You don't have to think that what they're doing is right. You're just allowing yourself for a second to step in and go, yeah, I could feel how I might act that way or say those things if I was in that situation and then just go back to you again. And we do need to be careful of the way we speak to others. But most importantly for this and today's class, I want you to be careful of how you speak to yourself. And learning that those words that you're saying, I'm an idiot, right? It's silly. I'm clumsy sometimes. You know, soften it and lessen it and you'll find that it will decrease and decrease and decrease and Remember that we do all want to be connected. If you can't be clear with your words and your feelings with yourself, you can't be clear with your words and your feelings with another person. You can't. If you... It goes back to how you do one thing is how you do everything. If you have a hard time communicating with yourself and identifying how you feel, what you need, what's going on with you, how to ask for something if you need to ask for it, how to say, this is my boundary and that doesn't work. You've just pushed up on a boundary and I can't work with that. So I need to remove myself, walk away, whatever it is. You can't communicate that with another human being. And typically when you try to, it will escalate to anger, to meanness, to not in the right way of communication to get the end result that you're actually looking for. So what I would encourage you to do is to speak to yourself as you would a friend or a loved one. Think about the narrative that you're saying to yourself. Would you speak to your best friend that way? Would you speak to Someone that you really love, your child, your mother, your sister, your brother, your father, your uncle, would you speak to them the way you speak to yourself? Would you tell them those things? My guess is probably not. So you shouldn't be speaking to yourself that way either. And if you flip the script, if you reframe the conversation with yourself, in the beginning, it's hard. It'll create a lot of resistance going to be really hard to work through and you'll catch yourself and then you'll call yourself an idiot because you caught yourself doing it (laughs) and you'll go through. It's true. And then the more you catch it and the more you catch it, it starts to quieten down that monster and that narrative that's rattling around inside and you start changing the words and it actually will start to lessen it down. So going into this segment, the question that I will ask to you all is how would my life be different if I liked myself a little bit more? I'm sure pretty much everyone in the room likes themselves, yeah, agree? Sometimes we all have our days, right? But how would your life be different if you aren't loving yourself right now and you don't like yourself and some people watching or some people here may feel that way, how would your life be different if you did? How would you behave differently? What choices would you make that would be different? How would you treat yourself if you liked yourself? If you liked yourself, would you lose the weight that you keep saying you want to because it would just make you healthier and you like yourself, so you want to be healthier and take care of yourself? Would you start that business you're dying to start? Because you deserve it and you've earned it. What would you do differently? What actions would be different? How would you speak to yourself differently? How would you support yourself? If you liked yourself a little bit more, how would you support yourself? Would that be what you needed to give yourself the incentive to take the action to move forward and create change because you are actually supporting yourself instead of self-sabotaging? Would it mean that you respected yourself more? Would you mean, would it mean that you did find a better boundary within yourself and without, with other people, would it mean that you took care of yourself a little bit more so you had a better work-life balance? Because you respected yourself enough to give yourself that. Would it mean that you didn't suffer from imposter syndrome because you liked yourself a little bit more and that meant that even if you were a little bit of imposter because you weren't that seasoned at what you're doing right now, you cut yourself some slack and said, you know what, I'll become more seasoned the more I do it. The more I do it, the better I become. And the better I become, right, the easier it will be, and so it goes. And come up with solutions for yourself of how you can like yourself a little bit better what choices you can make that are really small, bite-sized choices that can be easier. Cut yourself some slack. Self-care. Talk to yourself better. Cut yourself a break. Just close it down for a second. We're going to talk about some things that I do and a lot of other people do, um, of how to self-care a little bit more and quieten those monsters down. But that's the question that I want you to
0: ponder. All right, that about wraps it up. But uh, hey, before you bounce, two quick things. Um, Actually, I'm going to go three quick things. Thing one, A, thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'm not quite sure how you you landed on this podcast. It doesn't matter to me. The fact that we're all in this together and that we're able to have a conversation is awesome. I feel uh, honored to be in your ears right now and that uh, you've paid attention to